Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I am Charlie. And I'm by default Eva. That's good. Um, <laughs> happy Monday afternoon, everyone. Um, we're excited. We have a great show. We do have a great show. A couple of things I want to mention. Um, you know, our replays are available 7 by 24 Yes, they are. We have a lot of great guests. Um, last week we had Gene Kelly. Yes, about the college myth, about that. You don't have to necessarily go to college to get a great job. Which right. Which is an interesting conversation. Gene was... A little aggressive, but he really believed in his mission, and he's uh, making a difference out there for us. Yeah, he absolutely is making a difference. Um, you know, it's funny, right? The other thing was we were thinking how we're doing, right? Mm. How's the show doing? Mm. I mean, we love we love Talk Zone. We love our producer, Dave Olson. Um, but we're now booked through March. Yes, we are. I think we're booked into April. Actually. And we have a few uh, backed up bookings to do. So sorry, we're catching up and we will do that as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay, so so that's good, right? And yeah. the mission, of course, of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned and use all of our collaborative powers to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. I always say if you don't think one person can make a difference – Check out my guy, Paul Revere. Oh, really? Are we talking Paul Revere today? Well, you know, he made a difference even as one person. Yes, he did. Right? Yes. Um, so uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is I'm about to launch a new product, and I'm kind of proud of it. We're hoping to make a difference in the workplace. That's what we do. That's mm-hmm. our mission. That's mm-hmm. what we give back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am going to start unraveling a little bit the uh, offshoring of work in the IT industry, previously known as our work. So stay tuned. This is not um, this is a win-win program, and uh, as it develops, I'll share it with you guys, but I'm really pumped. No, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be good. good. It is going to be a win-win. Um, so, yeah, we get to cheat because we get to share this. Right. Which is a good thing. Yes. And how are you? I am well. Thank you. And, you know, I'm loving our topic today because this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and Mm. something that I also teach workshops on. So we're going to be talking about presentations and the fear of making presentations. So it's going to be a fun conversation because we've got a lot of talks, a lot to talk to Diane about. Yeah. um, You know, it's funny. I can tie fear into everything. Yeah, I mean, and and so it's going to be interesting to talk to her because we look at it, I think, from two different perspectives. So it's going to be a fun and interesting conversation and a helpful conversation for those of you that um, have to do a lot of presenting and have a real hard time with that. Right. So we're here. Why don't we just bring out our guest? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, 
So I would like to introduce Diane DeResta. Diane, are you with us? I'm here. Nice to be here, Charlie and Eva. Thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent. Um, yeah. We're excited to have you. We Thanks, are. Diane. And uh, welcome to Corporate Talk. And uh, why don't, before we start, or first thing, share with us your contact information and, you know, a little bit about what you do so our listeners can follow along. Sure. Well, what I do is I help empower people through the spoken word at the very essence of what I do. That's it. And underneath that, it's really helping people believe in themselves because when they're in fear, they're not really believing in the power that's within them. And how do how they get in touch with me? Diresta.com is the website, D-I-R-E-S-T-A.com. And I have a YouTube channel with the same name, forward slash Diane Diresta. And the reason I have about 109 videos up there is so that people have those skills because what I've discovered is that when it comes to fear of speaking at least, there are two things that are important, mindset and skill set. And you can be confident, but if you don't have the skills, then you're that person who just dominates the stage or the platform and you're all over the place. But you can have the skills and not the confidence, and that has to do with the internal programming and the belief in yourself. So I'd like to talk about both of those with you because they're so important. And I was also really interested, Eva, when I read about you and that you actually had a fear of speaking at one point. Oh, really bad. It was beyond a fear. It was really, I would say it was to a phobic proportion. Yes, and that's why I'm also teaching classes on um, I'm teaching workshops now on dealing with that fear because I look at it from that perspective of someone that had it and how hard it was to get over it and how long it took me. And one of the things that I really picked up on in your book, the first thing you said, which I really liked was, you know, people come to me for a cure. There is no cure. And I think that's perfect. However, there is hope. And that's what I think we both bring to the table. We just bring it in different ways. So that's why I'm so excited to talk to you about this because I'm loving what you're saying about mindset and skill set because it really is two different skill sets that people need to take into account. Absolutely. They need to be aligned. And I try to make things as simple as possible. I find that when people are in a fear state, they're overwhelmed and things are complicated in the way that they're viewing them. But if you can call it down to the simplest common denominator. It's simply two things, skill set and mindset. And that's how I work with people. And I bet if we talk about your journey, you probably had to think about how you were perceiving yourself and the outside world. And then you had to learn the skills that went along with good presentation. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely true. And I think for me, the skills for a good presentation came quicker than the actual confidence to get up in front of the group. Because if I was just presenting on my own, that was fine. But in the beginning, I couldn't even visualize it, right? Because I know that's one of the things you talk about. And for me, I would not even be able, I would be so scared that even just visualization was scary. And I understand that. And for the benefit of the listeners, there's a difference between anxiety or fear of speaking and a phobia of speaking. So I want to make a distinction here. You know, phobia Mm -hmm. is a much deeper fear that happens because of something that's triggered, and then we generalize that to the fear of speaking. And one of the things that's worked very well, well, there are a couple of things, 
but uh, one of the techniques is NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and there is something called a phobia fix, where you learn how to see, hear, and, and visualize the, the fear or the event in different ways. There's also something called EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, which is a way of tapping on certain meridians in the body as you speak. And there are practitioners who can do both of those things, but those are two more recent techniques that have been helpful with phobias. And traditionally, psychologists have worked with what they call desensitization, where you, take, you talk about it and then you go to the next level and the next level until you're actually able to take the step. And then, of course, there's hypnosis. So there are so many different ways. But for most people, they don't mm-hmm. need those kinds of interventions. Can I tell you about a, a second-year law student that I worked with? That'd be great. She, she, she came to me. She was actually a gift from her mother-in-law, who was in a networking group with me. And she was ready to quit law school, even though she was brilliant, because she was afraid of speaking in class. And so I had... Four sessions, that's all, four sessions with her, mm-hmm. and that's because all her mother-in-law could pay for that. But anyway, what happened is I realized she was thinking about it in the wrong way. She was giving too much power to the students and especially the professor, and if she thought that he didn't understand, then it was her fault. So we went through a reprogramming of her mind, not in terms of, you know, hypnosis, but in changing faulty thinking, a lot of it's simply faulty thinking. And when she came around to understand that she's not responsible for everybody's reaction, then she started to feel a little bit more confident. So long story short, after the four sessions, she was able to go in and she gave a presentation. She did well, got an A in the class and has graduated from law school. And Hmm. she sent me a video testimonial afterwards. So it is very possible and can be done, and it doesn't have to be a long time if it's not mm-hmm. a phobia. But a lot of times it starts in the mind. It's how you're thinking. So would the first step be to assess whether it's a mindset need or a skill set need that you have to address? Yes, both. So, for example, there's some people who come to me who aren't as nervous, but they just don't know how to put their words together or if they lose their train of thought, they don't know how to recover. So for people like that, we do a little bit of confidence building, but I'm showing them recovery techniques and how to organize their message and retrieve their message. But for people who are really nervous about speaking and they're avoiding it, here's what I tell them, and this is the truth. Avoiding public speaking is career suicide. You can no longer be without the skill. You need it to succeed in life. And if you're in business or if you're an entrepreneur and you're not speaking to promote your business, then you're leaving money on the table because this is one of the most underutilized yet cost-effective marketing techniques. Why is that? Because if you pay for advertising, it's very expensive. When you're speaking in front of a group, it's like test marketing or test driving a car. They see you in action. You become the expert in their mind, and when they need your service, they're going to remember you much more so than they will a postcard. So it creates that human connection. So it's very important. I had a woman one time who was brought to me by her human resource professional, and she said, even though she's a pretty good speaker, she's getting nervous and she wants a coach. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll meet with her. So the first thing that I did is I 
tried to assess what was going on, and then I said, all right, why don't you stand up and give me about 10 minutes of content so I understand what you talk about. So in the middle of the 10 minutes, she starts choking up and losing her train of thought and couldn't go on. So I said, okay, stop. What's going on right now? And she said, well, I'm thinking, I wonder what that Diane is thinking of me right now. And I said, well, you know what? I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about your content. and I'm trying to understand the message. So this is what happens all the time. We have these beliefs in our mind that are not true. And that's why I love the acronym FEAR, false evidence appearing real. It's not the truth, but we create these beliefs in our mind, and that's what makes us fearful. And it's funny because I once had a friend say, false evidence appearing real, that's your definition. My definition is forget everything and run. <laughs> and, you know, in most cases, that's what people do. The good news and why I'm here today is to tell everybody that anybody can be an effective speaker. Yes, gifted speakers are born, but effective speakers are made. And anybody can learn how to be effective because it's a skill. So I would encourage everybody to take the first step, even if you're feeling a little shy or lacking confidence. You can get a coach, you can take a class, you can read a book, but take one step forward because you need the skill to succeed today. Um, that's true, and that's why uh, we have Diane DiResta. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we should just go right to DiResta, D-I-R-E-S-T-A.com. Yes. Right? Um, we're going to take a break, Diane. Um, when we come back, there was something that you said earlier that I want to maybe discuss, and that was recovery techniques, because um, I'm just curious to see or hear what they are and how you would go about doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, in mid, you know, like that person that was speaking with you after a few minutes that kind of got all choked up, Would is there some way that she could recover on her own? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Excellent. So, okay. So stay with us, everyone. We're just starting. This is going to be a great conversation with our special guest, Diane. And we're going to hear more and learn more about her book, Give Fear the Finger, Knockout Presentations. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva. We'll be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning Shared Leadership Training Seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Diane DeResta, and she is the author of Give Fear the Finger. And we're having a great conversation around how to knock out fear when you do presentations or really when, even when you're just at a networking event, you know, because so much of what we're talking about, Diane, and actually I am an EFT practitioner now, right in the process of getting certified, so I'm just about there. And it's a great technique to help with dialing down that fear response, especially when it's as intense as what I have had in the past and can still still sometimes get. But what I found is when I talk to people about this is that it's a little bit more than just presentations. It's also if you've got that fear and you're in that mindset, especially with what you were talking about with the different with the student and the other person that you were talking about is you feel that people are judging you. Well, that's not only when it comes to presentations. It can be anything at work. So getting that different mindset is really crucial. But something that um, Charlie brought up before the break around recovery techniques, I'd be interested in hearing that too because that's a big fear that a lot of people have. They're going along and they're fine, but there is a little bit of nerves under there, and then suddenly they lose their train of thought and when you're calm, it's easy to recover, to laugh it off, um, just say, you know, go back, find your place, start over, whatever it is that you need to do. But when you're nervous, it can be really difficult to recover. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you've got to say about recovery techniques. Sure. And, of course, with everything, preparation is the key. And it's 90% preparation, only 10% delivery. But think of ice skaters. If you've ever watched the Olympics and you see someone fall, what does the skater do? They immediately get back on their feet. They know they're not winning, but they keep the smile on their face. They've been trained over and over on how to recover because they know that's going to happen at one point. So the Mm -hmm. best thing to do is to anticipate. And I've asked audiences, all right, what is your your worst fear? What do you think could happen? And one woman said, well, I'm afraid I'll get up on the stage and I'll trip over a wire. And I said, okay, let's assume that happens. What could you say? How about I want you to know I've been practicing that entrance for weeks? Or never let it be said that I don't know how to make an entrance. Guaranteed, if you say one uh, one of those two things, the audience is going to laugh, not because you're such a comedian, but because it breaks the tension, because they Mm -hmm. feel it the way you do. That's poise under pressure. Now, if you had planned for that, you could do that. So part of recovery is thinking about what could go wrong, what's the worst fear, and then coming up with some one-liners. There is this brilliant professional speaker, and what happened was the technology went off. So the slides stopped working, the lights went out, the sound wasn't working. So every time something happened, he had a one-liner and everybody laughed. Literally, there were five things in succession that happened. And then he said, it's a good thing a sixth thing didn't happen because I didn't have another line. So (laughs) they were rehearsed lines. It reminds me of that song by Rod Stewart, her ad-lib lines were well rehearsed. So that's the concept with recovery. Now, another thing is if you don't know what to do, it is okay to be silent. The pause is powerful, but we don't use it because we're afraid of silence. So what seems like an inordinately long time is not perceived the same way by the audience. So just be still for a moment and breathe. Come back into your body because that's what makes you present. Breathe. Uh, A woman I know had lost her place. 
she was reading a manuscript, and she was at a lectern. And so what she did at that moment is she took out her reading glasses and carefully put them on her face and scanned the paper. And by the time she did that, she found where she was in her notes. The audience never knew she lost her place. They just thought she needed to read with her glasses. So there are a number of things that you can do. But the most important thing is take a moment, pause, breathe, and be there. Now, I have seen times when people really panic. There was a man who was speaking at an event, and let's say five minutes into it, he just walked off. He just couldn't handle it, and I had no idea. He was doing fine, but the anxiety built up. What would have been more effective would have been to just stop for a moment and ask a question of the audience. So that's another technique. One time something happened to me. I was a, an adjunct lecturer at New York University, and they wanted the professors to come up and talk a little bit about their programs. Well, I had a retrieval problem that day. I was looking for a word. You know when you have brain freeze and you just mm-hmm. you know what you want to say, but it's just not coming out? So what I did is I said to the audience, what's the word I'm looking for? And somebody gave it to me. Hmm. No big deal. Went right on. Now, had I flustered and stuttered and stammered, it wouldn't have been as graceful. You just put it out there. Or you can make a joke and say, all right, I'm having a senior moment. Who remembers the last thing I said? Or you can make it sound like it was part of the presentation. All right, before we go on to the next part, let's summarize. And then repeat what you said. And in that summarizing, a lot of times you'll get your, your train of thought back. Or you can plan little activities in between where you ask people. Let's say you totally froze. You have no idea where you are. You can say, all right, at this moment, I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and tell them and have them do something that relates to your topic, whether it's you know the number one success or your biggest fear. And as they're talking, you look through your notes and you find your place. So there are a number of things that you can do. But be, be comfortable with yourself, pause, and if you are one of those people that walked off, give yourself a break. Forgive yourself, move on, and learn from it. What 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 I'm going to do, and I'm going to hold you to this um, because I think it's important, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to panic mm-hmm. because when that happens, I'm going to take a breath, just like Diane says. Yes. Because also, like Diane says, it's in the preparation, mm-hmm. right? So I know it's in there. Right. So I'm going to deal with the little break freeze that I'm having calmly and work something in that can fill the gap while I'm rethinking. Well, and and there was something that you said, Diane, that I thought was spot on, was that when you use humor, it breaks the tension because really we always think that the audience is against us when the reality is, is that more times than not, the audience is rooting for you. And if they see something happen, they sort of put themselves in your shoes and they're just like, Oh, that's bad. But if you make a joke of it and you are okay with it, then it relaxes the audience as well. And now, and now you guys are all in it together. It's no longer just a presentation. It's a conversation. And that's um, want. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly what you want. You want to you want to draw the audience in so that you guys are just 
talking together. But it can be tough when it's the first time that that happens to you. So I love what you're saying about being prepared for that. And sometimes you can't be prepared for everything, but just having a few ad libs in your pocket, especially if that's not you typically, like a lot of people don't necessarily ad lib. It's a little bit of a skill. Um, and so to have a few in your back pocket just that you can use, I think is a really great idea. And one of the things that I teach is I use improv because that's what really helped me start getting over my fear was when not Toastmasters, hypnosis didn't really help. It was when I started taking acting and improv classes that really started making the difference because it's once you break that, once you you kind of break through that wall and you actually get up there and you do it. And even if you have a little bit of a fail, most of the time, like you said earlier, no one's even going to know that you had an issue. If you just take a minute and compose yourself, no one's going to know. And I love that. That's right. And one of the reasons people get so nervous is because they give the audience too much power. Mm. They're not against you. Yes, there are going to be times when you have a hostile audience and that's a different conversation. But for the most part, they're on your side and don't belittle yourself. Remember, you have a right to be there. You have information they want. So when people say, well, I'm speaking to senior management, well, you're giving an update because you have some information they need. Otherwise, you would not be in that meeting. So own that power and let you let them, well, let yourself know that you're important. You have value. And when you come from that state of mind, it will be projecting out and you'll feel a little bit more confident. But I I always tell people, this is the truth. When you are nervous, you're being self-centered because it's all about me, myself, and I. So get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about them, the audience. So your mindset should be, well, what can I do to make this clear? What can I do to make this a pleasant experience for them? How can I inform them? How can I engage them? How can I draw them in and make them feel comfortable? Because here's the truth. When an audience first comes in, whether it's a large audience or a small meeting, there's that momentary tension. They're not feeling comfortable. They're thinking, okay, what is this? What am I going to learn today? Or why are we here? And then as you are comfortable, they relax. So I like Mm -hmm. to think of it as I'm the hostess and you're here in my room and my job is to make you all feel comfortable and to give you value. So come from that mindset. Right. That's that's absolutely perfect because you're right. I mean, that's when it, like I said earlier, it's when it becomes a conversation and not just a presentation. And also if, you know, a person has issues with kind of keeping their composure, especially in the beginning of a presentation, it's okay to have some notes. Not everyone is a glorious extemporaneous speaker that can, you know, not use notes when they're speaking. So if you've got notes or you need um, a binder or anything else or a PowerPoint, you know, it's okay to use all of that too. I think sometimes people feel like right out of the chute, they should be a brilliant speaker. Otherwise, they're just not cut out for speaking. And so I like what you're, what you're saying is that there's all these skills that you need to learn first to give yourself a break. And yeah, speaking of break, yeah. it's just about time for our second break. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about something. Maybe when we come back, I'll bring up. But Yeah, yeah that's perfect. Okay. okay. So um, stay with us, everyone. Our guest today is Diane Darista, and we're talking about the fear of public speaking and how to get over it. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll be right back. 
Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our special guest, Diane DeResta. And Diane is uh, the author of her latest book, Give Fear the Finger. So, Diane, tell us how we can get this book. It's online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and you can actually get both of them. Knockout Presentations is the first book, and it was written as a, te- uh, not a text, a soup-to-nuts book, and it's a soft cover. And Give Fear the Finger is an e-book, and it was written strictly for confidence building, so it's all the techniques for overcoming fear. And you can get them both online. So does that indicate that the latest book is... Uh, mindset and the earlier book might be skill set or are they both kind of mixing and matching? The first book, Knockout Presentations, is everything from questions and answers to how to structure a talk to how to create visual aids to delivery skills. This ebook is strictly on confidence, on getting rid of the fear. Excellent. Um, some of the so things... Such an issue. I decided to devote a book just to that. It's a huge issue. It's a huge issue. We were talking before, I think before we even uh, brought you on the air, about how fear kind of morphs, right? Oh, it does. Yeah, it snowballs. The more you don't step through that fear and get a hold of it, the worse it gets. I mean, it, you could weigh the other side, too. And I would say if if we were all able to shed off fear, the world would be such a more creative place i know it would be so fun but yeah. on the other hand maybe you know if we shut off a lot of bad guys would come out too which we don't necessarily want right the bad guys are coming out anyway <laughs> um but so i can see how the two books work together mm-hmm. and i also go back to our first segment you had mentioned you have a youtube channel with yes. 109 videos yes i do because so would that mean we should think about rehearsing. Is that is that tied to rehearsing or is that just tied to different types of presentations? It's uh, different channels. So I have a channel just on fear. So I, ha- I demonstrate breathing techniques. I have an affirmations video that I created there so that you can watch that and say that every morning to yourself. I have a demonstration of presentations that I've given. I have a, a section on all kinds of aspects of public speaking, how to use your hands, how to use your body, how to use movement. So it's instructional. They're short one, two-minute videos that anybody can watch and learn from a skill standpoint. And so where are you located? I'm in New York City in Midtown Manhattan, and I serve a lot of different corporations, but I've worked 
nationally and internationally. And since this is a corporate talk show, I have to say that even at the very highest levels, at the sea level, people have to realize that this is a leadership skill. And a lot of times I get called in in the area of executive presence, and I've seen where leaders' careers plateau because they don't either look, sound, or act the part of a leader, and that's when I come in and help them align those three because what every effective leader knows how to do is align the visual, the vocal, and the verbal communication. So it is seamless and they're genuine and authentic. But when you let fear come in or if you're not skilled in speaking, then there becomes a disconnect because let's say your words are wonderful, they're clear, they're impactful, but your body language isn't. Well, then the body language becomes the message. So we work with the mindset again and the skill set so that you get Um, one message. And that would include pitch and tone as well? All of it. All of it. Yes. I was just on Huffington Post Live a few weeks ago talking about vocal fry. And vocal Mm. fry is a sound like this. It's also known as croaky or a creaky voice. And that's very typical now in women. And they lose credibility when they speak like that. Or up talk. It sounds like a valley mm. girl. I'm asking a que- making a statement, but I really yeah. sound like I'm asking a question. You cannot present that way and be taken seriously, not in the workplace. So I, I talk about up talk constantly. It makes me crazy. Well, I, have <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall yeah. when Diane is working with um, a C-level executive that is all over the place and the words are just not resonating with the audience, how you would go about explaining that, right? Well, the first thing is I tell people I'm the lowest common denominator, so if I understand your message, it's clear. When people are in technical industries or financial services, it can get very dry and technical. And so I tell people your job is not to report the numbers. I can read an Excel sheet as well as you can. Your job is to tell the story about the numbers. So what, what are they projecting? What, what are the trends? What does this really mean for us? What recommendations can you make as a result of these numbers? And to tell stories and to use metaphors, to use analogies, because that's what connects. So what people need to do is give the data, but give it in a way that is memorable. And so I know there's some controversy about is there really a left and a right brain, but you need balance. So you need to connect with people as human beings, and that means they need to have an emotional impact. And that's, where, that's what I do. I help them do that. It must be, sorry, Diane, it must be tough at times, though, because, I mean, Charlie and I are from IT, and I've worked in accounting, and we've both worked in financial services for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it can be very dry. I mean, the people that do the delivery can be very dry because that's what they know. And so when you go and you start talking to them about metaphor, I would think that their anxiety would go through the roof at times. Do you find that to be true or at at that level already they're kind of past it? Uh, Yes, and it it really depends on who you're working with. Uh, People generally are receptive. They know that they're not getting across and they're, they're really getting low marks or losing credibility or they're losing their audience. They want to improve. And so I don't tell them, go use a metaphor. I listen to what they're saying, and then I'll tell them what I hear. Well, this sounds like 
it isn't sort of like that. And so then they start to see a, a relationship between the numbers and what they're saying, and they say it differently. Or tell the story, well, how did you come to that? Well, what does that mean for the audience? See, the, the main problem is that people are so wedded to their content, they forget who's listening. And so the first thing is, who's the audience and what do they care about? And if they don't, if there's nothing in it for them, then don't even bother presenting. So I'm surprised they even let you go. <laughs> <laughs> they just turn around and say, here, you do it. Yeah. You know what? Some people have said that to me because I have a, a method called listener-centered communication, and I'll ask you a couple of questions, plug it in, and then I'll give you your opening, but in a more persuasive way. And they'll say, can you do my presentation for me? But anybody I bet they can do. Learn it. It's a template. Well, one of the things you said in the beginning that's a little scary, right, yeah. and speaks to the need for confidence, and maybe this book, Give Fear the Finger, and that is – you said when you speak right off the bat, the game is on the line because everybody's listening and watching you like a hawk. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the opportunity to screw around, right? You mm -hmm. have to deliver. Right. Right. And at that point when you're delivering, well, the way I look at it too is what I tell people in my workshops is the time to start delivering is not at that crucial at that crucial presentation at work, right? It's to start looking at different places where you can start speaking up, going to meetings, asking a question, asking a question, calling into a radio show and, you know, asking us a question. Start getting used to giving your opinion because at a C level, they're used to that. But at lower levels, a lot of people just, if they know that they're not good at speaking, they just hang back, hang way back and don't exactly. speak up in a number of different situations. Exactly. So, and I'm glad you said that because I would like someone on the line who's nervous about speaking to call in and ask a question. This will hmm. be your first step toward overcoming Fear and giving fear the finger. So I hope someone will pick up the phone today and do that. But you're so right, Eva. Um, yeah, because what, what happens is, is people wait until that crucial time when there's something on the line, you know, work's on the line, they have to go in front of the executive committee, or they've got a big presentation that they need to give to their group. And it flops because A, they didn't really, they maybe have pulled together their PowerPoint, but didn't really even rehearse it. Mm -hmm. And B, they just have a hard time answering questions just extemporaneously because they're not really practicing that because they're always hanging back. They're sitting in the last row. They're not asking questions during meetings. They're not getting up in front of meetings in, during meetings to present their point of view. That's why they And then they wonder need... why they're not getting anywhere when it comes to the big presentation and they flop. Well, no, I was going to say that's why they need a, they need a, a verbal communication coach. I know, and right. Diane's so good. And um, I, I tell people that you want to start small. As you said, call in on a web call. <clears throat> then next step, maybe you volunteer for five minutes on a panel. Next step, maybe you have a co-speaker so that you're sharing the platform. Work up to that level. Don't just start with a high-stakes presentation. You need to take baby steps. It's so true. And then, you know, people also, though, like even at, at higher levels, they'll feel that they're comfortable at presenting. But 
as you said earlier, Diane, there's so many different ways for us to present now. So maybe you're comfortable talking in front of your group or you're comfortable talking in front of your company, but all of a sudden you're asked to be on TV. You know, will you be comfortable then? That's why all the techniques that you talk about for bringing fear down are so important to have in your arsenal because there's going to be a time, no matter how seasoned you are, that you're going to get nervous. Absolutely, especially if you're on live television, because I do media training as well, and it's so different. It's interesting. You would think professional speakers would be very good on camera, but just the opposite, because they're so used to telling stories. And when you're dealing with media, you need to speak in sound bites. Like seven mm-hmm. seconds, you should be able to get out your key messages. So it's a different skill, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it really is a different skill. I mean, even if I can bring up, like, when you first started doing video, right, and you were bobbing and weaving and they couldn't keep you still in front of the camera, you're a great speaker, but suddenly, like, what you use to get your speaking out, which is a lot of it is your body, when your body was sort of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, um, when you were kind of corralled in, right? They corralled you in between two chairs and said, just speak to the, the camera. The energy that had to really, come somewhere else. Yeah, the energy wasn't, you know. No, don't bring yeah. that up. Oh, sorry. You're oh, right sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what, what happened was um, I was over-theatrical with my body, mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to do. So they actually put two chairs alongside me and taped my feet to the floor. Oh, my so that I well, could you know, not move. It's true. You need to use fewer gestures. You can't be art- gesticulating the way you do on a large platform because yeah. it, it's distracting. I had, I've been working with a, an executive vice president. And she does webcasts internally. And when she was first on camera, she was uh, bouncing in her seat. So I went to her studio and we rearranged the furniture and we positioned her in such a way that she could have more gravitas. And now she's doing great. So that's that. So you went from a verbal communications coach to a visual coach as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean right? that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. I mean, I that's, work on visual, vocal, and verbal. Yeah, right. It's huge. Um, okay, so I want to keep talking, but we have to take our final break. Yes. So please, everyone, stay with us. We're gonna uh, hear more from Diane when we come back. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today's guest is Diane DeResta, and you can find out more about Diane at DeResta.com, D-I-R-E-S-T-A.com. And you can also find her book there, Give Fear the Finger, and also Knockout Presentations. Those are also available on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. 
And um, Diane, why don't you also share your contact information if anyone wants to get a hold of you? The website is deresta.com, D as in David, I, R, E, S as in Sam, T as in Thomas, A.com. YouTube is simply youtube.com forward slash Diane DeResta. I'm also going to be a guest speaker on a confidence telesummit this this week. So send me a, go to my website and put in your information in the contact file and I will send you a notice. And also, if you would like a one sheet of what to do before, during, and after a presentation, you can go to my business page on Facebook, DeResta Communications. And when you like the page, you'll be able to get a copy of that one sheet. Wow, that's excellent information. But uh, what would we do after other than a wipe down? (laughs) (laughs) And a shot. And a shot, yeah. (laughs) All right, so what, what do you do going forward? You can give me a call and I can work with you one-on-one doing coaching. I also come into organizations where I do workshops and training in presentation and communication. And what's coming up in 2015 is I'm going to be doing a virtual presentation uh, workshop. So you'll be, it'll be eight weeks and people will be able to call in. There will be video and they'll be able to get into small groups. So stay tuned for that as well. But if anybody's interested in getting some one-on-one coaching, give me a call. The phone number is 212-481-8484, extension 312. Again, 212-481-8484, extension 312. That's terrific. Thank you. And, Charlie, I know that at the break we were talking, and you had a question about telephones. Yeah, I know you're going to, you know, beat me with it, but I'm going to ask anyway. The the teleprompter, right? Um, it's easy to rely on, especially when you're doing video, but it could be a bad habit to get into when you're going to be speaking live and you don't have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, did you have a question well, around it? Well, so how would you wean from it? I would have, you know, maybe index cards, taking the breath, trusting your knowledge, um, just wondering. Well, let's say, if I understand you, you're used to using a teleprompter, talking to a camera, and now you don't have the camera, so what do you do? There's nothing wrong with having note cards as long as you reference them, but you don't read them word for word. You can also create key messages for yourself, like what are the three main points you want to make, and then be able to tell stories and talk from your knowledge base there. There are some techniques that comedians use when they have stories. They know their stories because it has a natural sequence, and they give them a name or a letter. So maybe it's Sam, the story about, I don't know, speaking, and then the story about action, and the story about you know, getting married. And so they'll remember, I have three stories, and they remember it as Sam, and then they start with S. Well, let me tell you about my speaking story. So it's good to incorporate and plan a lot of stories since they have their own natural sequence, and it doesn't take a lot of memorization. Yeah. Um, you know, as technologists, right, yes. we tend to work in our head. So it's mm. easier for us to write stuff down and tweak it and tweak it and tweak it um, and it's a little different than speaking it authentically. Yeah, it can be tough because especially if you don't have some kind of notes, isn't it 
fairly easy to get off track. And if you memorize, it can kind of sound memorized. So when you have, especially like a C-level executive that needs to give a presentation, what do you suggest for them? Is it PowerPoints or if they don't have a PowerPoint, do they have written speeches? How does that, how does that work? They do. A lot of people at the top levels have written speeches. They're often written for them by their speech writers. And that's the hardest of all. The manuscript is the hardest to master, and there are techniques for doing that. But a lot of people today have PowerPoint, and although I think we're PowerPointed out, mm-hmm. it, it does have its value, especially if you have graphs and charts. People do need something visual, but I love the Seth Godin method. Seth Godin is a famous marketing consultant uh, where he's using all visuals, or think of Steve Jobs. So the more visuals, the more photographs you can use, it anchors the people, it connects to their right brain or their emotions, but it requires you to tell the story or the information. So it engages, but then they have to listen to you. The big mistake people make is they write these complete sentences, word Mm -hmm. for word, and then they read them. And guess what? You make yourself obsolete because given a choice between reading on your own or listening to the speaker, you're going to read ahead. So right, within the, the within the actual PowerPoint you're saying or in the right. presentation notes that you hand out. Yes, so minimize what you put on a slide. Oh, that's perfect. That's that's great. So I wanted to kind of go back because, I mean, again, this has been a fast hour, right? I mean, there's so much content here. And I wanted to take a step back in our last about four minutes. What is something that someone can do, like, when you talk about the breath, just to help bring their anxiety down, like all of a sudden you've been called on to get up in front of the group to speak. It's extemporaneous. Is there something you can do just to give you a quick check to bring your, to bring your anxiety down when all of a sudden you've been called on when you're not ready? You to at least no, give you a chance. Yeah, to give you a chance, well, <laughs> a chance of survival. There are a couple of techniques. First of all, if you're seated and you don't know if you're going to be called, you can put your hands on your belly and start doing your deep breathing before anything ever happens, just to get yourself into that zone. But in Give Fear the Finger, I put in some exercises. There's actually a pressure, an acupressure point on one of the fingers, known as a panic reset button, that when you press it, it helps to reduce anxiety, and that's how I came up with the name of the book. I'm sure you think it means something else. It doesn't. It came from that acupressure point on the finger. There are also some power postures that will increase confidence as well, and they're also in the book, and I have links to videos and resources to demonstrate that as well. So simply, when when you're about to speak, do not feel that you have to answer immediately. Take a pause. Breathe collect your thoughts, and then speak. And that one act of staying present and pausing for a moment will actually make you look much more confident than if you quickly try to answer the question. When it's I such a great, speak, I was just going to say that is such a great tip because what happens is, is that when you're nervous, you tend to rush into it, you speak too fast just to get it over with. And just by slowing down, like you're saying, Diane, you're right. I mean, that can really make you look a lot more confident. But sometimes you rush to get into it because you're so confident of the answer that you want to get it out oh, there so it could different. work you against you. you. Well, you won't look nervous then. You're not nervous, right? I mean, we're talking about if you have nerves. 
Right. Well, yeah, but if you breathe, you would keep it slow as well. You can use that technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And when, when people are in a stand-up position, I always work on their walk-on and their walk-off because too often people approach the front of the room and they start walking. Oh, I think we might have lost Diane. Right are you there? Uh, oh, no, this is. I'm here. Diana, oh, good. Okay. Sorry, we you you cut now? out for a little bit, but you're back. Okay. All right. I, I work on people's walk on and walk off because people walk and talk as they're approaching the front of the room, and you don't want to do that. You want to stay in the, in the moment, be present, be silent, and connect. Look at a couple of people before you open your mouth. Exchange that energy, and that's going to keep you in a more centered state because you're going to be breathing before you speak. So that's even um, a long pause at the beginning. Your walk up, your you get positioned, you know, um, before you start look around. That's even an adjustment mm-hmm. for many. Yes, it takes yeah. practice because most of us are not comfortable with silence, but you can learn to embrace that and to practice that. But the one thing I want to leave people with is this. You are already public speakers, And when someone says to me that they're not a public speaker, I ask them, do you leave voicemails? Hmm. Do you give updates at meetings? That's all public speaking. Right. So it's taking what you already do and refining it and extending it to other situations. Everybody can do this. I'm very confident about that. Anybody can be effective. I agree. Thank you so much, Diane. This has been an absolutely great conversation. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just so helpful. I mean, so many people struggle with this, and you are giving them hope. So your work is so, so I like the ideas about the uh, confidence uh, seminars coming up, Uh, theresta.com. We we need to share that. Yes. Yes, stay tuned. Yes, there's a telesummit. So go to my website, and where it says contact, send me an email, and I'll make sure that you get the link for that. That's coming up this week. And then in 2015, I'm going to do an eight-week virtual training course for people on confidence and presentation. Terrific. Thank you so much, Diane. It's been great. Yep. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Eva. Thanks, Charlie. Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. A little jealous that Diane is in New York City, but... Well, um, we're always jealous of that, yes. I think it's a great program. I think the book is great. I think her energy is there. Yes. Um, And uh, I think we can all learn from her. Yes, it's terrific. So again, it's deresta.com, D-I-R-E-S-T-A.com. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, guys. See you Monday. Talk to you next week.